0: kind of did the COVID experiment, but as Liam just said, that wasn't really an accurate version of remote work. That was being trapped. That was remote working. at
1: gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was remote at gunpoint. To be you completely to honest with you. you, that was uh, well either you work remotely or you die from COVID. Right. That's the <laughs> when when you have those two type of extremes. Yeah. People just immediately have to switch over, but that wasn't a voluntary choice. Right. Now no it's going to be voluntary, and that's when I think is really. I mean, yeah. you could even come up with the term premeditated remote people choosing to be remote right exactly Uh, and
0: welcome back to Scotland talks bringing you you know it less stress and more success with the power of joy with the power of living your life in your best emotional wellness and today I have some really interesting content for you around the remote world in a post-covid experience what does that look like and how does it affect your emotional wellness? How does it affect your professional choices? And what can we expect to see on the horizon of the future? So I think you're going to love my guest today from Running Remote. But first of all, please do like and subscribe. We always work hard to keep this program coming. I wanna reach out and thank Marcus, my producer. I wanted to thank Heather, our assistant and scheduler, and everyone else who helps makes this, makes this program possible. And of course, as always, you can check, uh, check out the website at com or Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, at Ann Scotland. So now let's talk about the future of remote work and what that means for you. So today I have Liam from Running Remote. Hi, Liam. Hi. So glad to have you here Running remote, you and I share a lot of interest in how this whole work-life integration thing is happening, especially for those who have been working remotely for a couple of years already. Um, And what we're talking about today, which I'm actually really excited about, super relevant, back to the office. Oh, my word. With your clients, what are you hearing right now?
1: So I think uh, first I want to roll back to where I was about two and a half years ago. February of 2020, 4% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. March of 2020, 45% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. That's the biggest transition since the Industrial Revolution to work, but we did it in about a month, and it took the Industrial Revolution 80 years to do the same thing. So a complete transition of where remote work is. And we're currently sitting at about 33% of the U.S. workforce currently working remotely with 2.5% unemployment rate and only 10% of people saying they are working from home due to COVID were effectively at the bottom of that number. So now we're really kind of seeing, well, this is the real new number, mm-hmm. which is approximately 30-ish percent of the U.S. workforce will be working remotely for probably the rest of their careers. And wow. the implications of that are going to be absolutely Ginormous the economic implications, all the corporate leases that are no longer going to be in place. Um, the you know, environmental impacts of that how many people not actually commuting every single day to work is going to create a positive feedback loop for the, the world. But yeah. I think the biggest one is how many employers are still asking their employees to come back to work. <laughs> and I'm seeing almost everyone that I talk to that's saying, Oh, the employees have got to come back to the office. It really boils down to, unfortunately, something that I call charisma bias, which is a really (laughs) problematic issue that I think a lot of people need to kind of have a deep look inside themselves and figure out, am I doing this for the company or am I doing it for myself?
0: Yeah, such a good question. And, uh, so let's uh, split that up into two parts, actually, because I'd love to explore this a little bit more. So one, uh, first, I'll give you both questions and we'll start with why are, why are employers so diehard um, set on getting employees back in the office? And then two, we'll come back and I want to discuss what people's feelings of pro and pro and against are. So what are you seeing as the reason employers are so feeling so strongly about it?
1: So very difficult conversation to have with a lot of employers, because (laughs) I don't know if you've you've ever encountered the the seven whys. So it's a way of, it's somewhat of a Socratic method of questioning Mm -hmm. to be able to figure out how to get to the core of an issue. Yeah. And when I have these conversations with people, at the end of the day, to be honest with you, they talk about productivity, they talk about team cohesion, they talk about culture, but Remote workers were actually just as productive working from home as they were when they were working from the office. In some Mm -hmm. cases, they're actually more productive based off all the data that was communicated Mm -hmm. uh, to us. The other side of this is team cohesion and collaboration. I mean, fundamentally remote teams actually operate very differently from on-premise teams Mm -hmm. where you need significantly less collaboration in order to be able to produce the same return. So that doesn't necessarily sit there. The real core issue, is that the vast majority of managers and business owners, and this is something that I did in research for a book that I wrote um, (laughs) for the last year and a half, focusing on companies that were remote before the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. the one single thing that they all had in common, which I thought was really interesting, is their managerial layer was on average 50% thinner than their on-premise counterparts, than their Mm in-office counterparts. Mm -hmm. So there are more people doing work in remote companies, then there are people that are managing people doing work. And this is the issue with people being Uh asked back to the office because Mm -hmm. they're recognizing that those, that managerial layer is unfortunately going to get a lot thinner over the Mm -hmm. next couple of years. And they're trying to make sure that they're still relevant in the new world of work.
0: Absolutely. That makes so much sense because then where do you, what would you do with a flood of qualified people from, Yeah. sea level positions that are become redundant uh, at some point, or at least a certain percentage of them. Right. Uh, So that's great. That that's actually, that's a very reasonable answer. That's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I totally see that. That makes sense to me. Um, and I know I've, I have such a mixture of clients that I work with who are pro or against going back to the office. Uh, you know, my husband absolutely loves working remotely, but then he was working remotely by request before the pandemic. So he was already used to it. He said he feels exponentially more productive and wastes so much less time. Uh, and his company really adapted fairly well. Uh, But then um, I'll just talk about people close to home, not even my clients, my brother who works in corporate America in, you know, middle management, and he can't wait to get back to the office because it was his, he has a family, has kids. It was his, his literally, like his, basically his social world. He likes structure. He's that guy who likes to come in and leave it exactly the same time, and he's very good at his job. He likes to see the same people. Uh, he's he, he so missed the Christmas party, which totally surprised me because I never think about my brother being that person. He's like, I just missed the decorations in the Christmas party, and you know, and then his wife decorates a beautiful Christmas house. So <laughs> he's like, I just really, I just really missed the social aspect. I feel like I work better and I'm more productive there than at home.
1: Mm-hmm. So well. I think to your brother's point, um, this is another kind of uncomfortable truth that I would unfortunately give him, which Mm -hmm. is in North America today, it's somewhat taboo to have arranged marriages, but we seem to have arranged friendships all the time. We're put into this office environment Mm -hmm. with complete strangers that we Mm -hmm. don't really know. And then that becomes our social circle, right? So Whenever you actually, it's it's around the time when you leave um, college or university, your social circle actually degrades almost constantly until your 60s. And then it expands wow. back out again when you are retired <laughs> yeah. and you're forced, by the way, to not, to go out and create social connections that are outside of your work world. Wow. So this is actually what remote pioneering companies knew decades beforehand, sure. which is your social network and your work network shouldn't necessarily be the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest to your brother is get out there, interact with other people. I know it's uncomfortable to be able to meet new people, but this is really one of the biggest things that I personally see Mm -hmm. as a huge advantage towards remote work. I have friends of mine that have nothing to do with my work world. Yeah. And it also creates a really good situation for the individual worker to be able to say, you know what? Uh, I really hate working at this job. I hate working in this company, but man, Anne is great. And I don't want to leave this company because my work wife, Anne, Yeah. Or or is there. Right. 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 And so you hear that constantly. Mm. All of those connections effectively will be disconnected and people will end up finding jobs that they're really passionate about if they just disconnect their work world from their social world. That is so
0: interesting. That is so interesting it's such a, I like how you compared it to arranged marriage in in an odd way, just because, yeah, we find structure, we find comfort zones, we find relationships that help us feel like we're functioning in our best. And while sometimes that can be very great and very supportive, and I mean, mentoring is wonderful, but at the same time, to what extent do we not sort of learn to sprout our own wings, stand on our own two feet? You know, Do you want to grow and expand in your life, not just professionally, but also socially, which I know that, you know, even during the pandemic, he got a lot more involved in his community in, you know, safe ways that he could interact with people, his community, his church, he had more, a little more time. And, um, you know, so I see that, and I've seen that trend happening a lot. And I'm sure you have too, where people are starting to spend more time in their local community. Uh, There's the mass exodus from many of the cities uh, you know, so many places that have, and, and I'm in one, I, I go back and forth between two places right now. And one of them is very rural in a beautiful, beautiful mountain area where I couldn't have done that, um, even a few years ago. So people are just like, let's get out, let's do it. And then you're in a smaller town, perhaps you get to get really involved in the community. You get to hold roles you wouldn't have had otherwise. And it kind of ex- it's kind of exhilarating to feel needed and useful, outside of work, not just inside of work. And I know that some of the sociologists that I've, I've read articles and, and listened to in recent months do also feel like that's going to be a really healthy thing.
1: Absolutely. I think that the small city is really the spot to be in the next decade. Mm-hmm. So any, any mayor that's listening right now or any city councilor that has a town or city of approximately 100,000 people with a university inside of it and an airport that connects to an international hub Mm -hmm. that has, you know, great outdoor lifestyle. They can ski, they can hike, they have a, you know, a lake that they can get access (laughs) to. And also the university provides an environment where you can get access to yoga studios and coffee shops and all those types of things. Those are really the areas that are going to flourish because you're going to see a massive amount of remote workers Mm -hmm. that end up coming to those locations. There's a great um, program in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they'll actually pay you $10,000 to come to Tulsa uh, if you work remotely. So if you work out of state, they'll pay you $10,000 cash to, uh, to come to Tulsa and you have to live there, I think, one year. (laughs) <laughs> so at the end of that year, they give you a ten thousand dollar credit on your taxes. That's incredible! And um, they know something that not many people really know at this point, which is, a pulling in those remote workers. Mm-hmm. It's it's a net addition to your city. So. Yeah you're not actually taking jobs away from anyone else. You're no. effectively actually taking jobs away from another location, like New right. York or San Francisco True, or LA, Los Angeles. Whatever. Yeah. Right. So that you're bringing those net new dollars back inside of the local economy.
0: Wow. Yeah. That makes so much sense too. And so many opportunities and, in- I mean, it's, it's scary for a lot of people to see so much dramatic change happening in such a, a short time, but also kind of exciting. And I mean, you mentioned, mentioned the industrial revolution and I'm a huge history buff. So I was just like, yes, this is one of those, those great sociological shifts that we'll get, you know, kids will get to read about in another 10 or 20 years or right, in textbooks. Like what did that look like and how did it really change the world? Um mm. So uh, when you are talking to people who are um, working remotely and are going to stay working remotely, say they do have the option to stay, what are you finding are their greatest challenges? And I ask that, of course, from an emotional wellness perspective, but also in general, what is it that they're still finding the most difficult, if anything, about, say, working remotely 100%?
1: So I think the biggest one is dependent upon how their company is working remotely. So there's three general categories. There's completely remote, there's hybrid, and there's back to the office in the United States right now, about 60% of people are working hybrid Mm -hmm. with about, as I said, 30% working completely remotely and Mm -hmm. then the rest working um, in an office. Mm -hmm. And the hybrid has a unique problem inside of it. The biggest one being distance bias. Mm -hmm. So it's a phenomenon that ironically, the closer that you are to the manager or the decision maker inside of an organization, the more your ideas get adopted inside of that organization. Uh So for the remote workers that are actually jumping on a Zoom call inside of the boardroom and doing their presentation and everyone kind of says, hey, we're going with Anne's idea. And then Anne says, amazing, thank you very much. And she drops off of, of Zoom. Five minutes later, Liam might pop up to the decision maker and say, listen, Anne doesn't know what she's talking about. This is what we need to do instead. And then the next morning you wake up and say, wow, I thought I was doing my project. Why am I doing Liam's project? It's because <laughs> of those undocumented conversations. Mm-hmm. It's those conversations that exist close to the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what that creates for Anne is either A, I need to move into the office to actually move ahead mm-hmm. inside of the organization, or B, I'm going to go find another job somewhere else that's actually completely remote.
0: Right. Well, what about those C-level positions? I mean, how many of those are wanting to rush back into the office? I know you said yes, because of they want their own job retention, or they at least want the choice. Uh, but you know, how much of management seems to be okay with working remotely?
1: So I think they're actually more concerned about their jobs, um, uh, yeah. in the middle management <laughs> tier than whether or not they want to go remote or, right. or not. It makes sense. Uh, and then I think actually in the C-suite and particularly the founders of the business, these are generally very driven individuals. Mm-hmm. These are people that work 80 hours a week, you know, every single week. and I think, and they're also generally more egotistical uh, than the average person uh, that you would meet on the street. I really think that a lot of these people just want to have an office so that it feeds their own ego and they have 500 people walking around and they get to tell them what to do.
0: Fair enough. Uh, that's really see.
1: where I get when yeah. I when I really delve down deep with someone and ask them why they want to have people go back to the office. I mean, they say, "Oh, you know, the team's going to be more productive when they're working from home." But you told me six months ago that everything's great with remote work and the team's never been more productive. Well, you know, I think th- we need to be able to collaborate more. Really, how was your collaboration six months ago? Was it going well? Everything has been positive with remote work. Yeah. And yet we're still being brought back to the office. And really, I think it just boils down to individual egos, um, yeah. trying to be able to make sure that they still feel important. And honestly, I think a lot of those guys are bored that have been in their house for the last two and a half years and they want to get back out.
0: Sure. And 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 there are the personalities, and we know them from entertainers to all kinds of other, you know, roles where there is a, they have the dynamic, that dynamic in-person energy, not all that feeds them ego or otherwise literally like, so for example, I may not be that person, but I, when I do zoom conferences, it's great. We have a great time when I'm in person with real people. It's like, I go into an element that I can't even tell you what's going to happen. Like I just go Something happens in that space, which is why now, instead of doing little trainings all the time, I'm trying to do more big events, retreats where I, you know, you kind of get that, you get that enjoyment, you get that energy, and then you can go back and be remote for another two, couple months and you're fine. <laughs> um, right. But that, that absolutely makes, makes sense to me. Um, and it's interesting too, about remote work. So for example, this is kind of interesting because is just my own personal experience just recently. So for the most part, I've worked remotely and then gone into lo- on location as needed, um, for the last decade, but even recently, and maybe this is a, a weird reverse COVID thing. And I've always loved working from home, working remotely. It gives you the ability to travel. Um, I was traveling recently and I, I had to do some podcasts and some other things. So I had to go rent, you know, like a, we work space out. And I was like, It'd been a long time since I'd really been in sort of that environment like for several days in a row. I'm like, oh, there's coffee in the kitchen. There's no dishes. There's no barking dogs. There's no family member knocking on my door in the middle of a call. And I feel so productive here. I'm, and I told my husband when we got back home, I was like, I have to find out if we have one of these nearby because I might just want to go a couple days a week just to kind of have that full immersion, super high productivity experience. And everyone's different, right? Everyone has a different focus level, but it's
1: well, interesting. I think that actually everyone's shaking down, it up. <laughs> yeah, that, that boils down to two things. Number one, I think what you have um, is you're a relatively charismatic, extroverted person. So you need that type of feedback in your yeah. environment to be able to work effectively.
0: Like people respond
1: to. <laughs> yeah, but then the second part of this, which I think is even more important, is a lot of people are confusing work from home from remote work. So we were all working in an office and then all of a sudden we started working from home. That's not actually remote work. That's not at least the remote work that I've experienced for almost two decades. Mm -hmm. Remote work is I can work from home. I can work from an office. I can work from a co-working space. I can work from a coffee shop. I can work in Bali if I want to on the beach from a laptop, by the way, don't try working on the beach with a laptop. You get a lot of sand in your computer. The glare is bad too. But it's the freedom and autonomy to be able to work wherever you want, whenever you want. And that's the real promise that remote work was at least before the pandemic. So I think as we move from pandemic to endemic phase, mm-hmm. we're really going to see the reemergence of remote work. And yeah. for those people that are thinking right now, like, man, yeah, I don't like it that my my husband and my my kids and my dog are bugging me all the time. <laughs> Just wait a couple more months till you're freed from home and really starting to experience true remote work.
0: Right. So globally, when as the COVID rules are, you know, as things become more loose and less restrictions, then finding a new, a new lifestyle, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have to have five days of childcare if you're a professional woman or man, but maybe you work from home two days and you have three days of childcare and maybe you have it in the home or maybe outside the home, but finding the new normal whatever that is going to be. but So this takes me to my last big question. And then I want to talk a little bit more about specifically what you're doing right now, which is what is the future looking like? What are the trends that you see on the horizon that people might not be anticipating yet?
1: So I think when we look at the methodologies inside of remote work, almost everyone that I spoke to when we transitioned from in-office to remote in March of 2020, they were asking me questions like, should we use Slack or Microsoft Teams? Or should we use Zoom or Google Meet? (laughs) Unfortunately, those are not the right questions to ask. Uh, (laughs) If you're asking those questions that you don't actually know what questions you need to ask to get the answers that you need (laughs) to be able to support a remote team. So it's actually changing the methodology in which you manage people. And remote first teams before the pandemic had a philosophy that I'm kind of calling asynchronous management, basically the ability to be able to manage people without necessarily interacting with them face to face. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we've used and hundreds of other companies have used to be able to completely scale their companies to levels that not many companies have been able to get to as well. And more importantly, have enabled both the employee and the employer of those companies to be able to experience a level of autonomy and freedom that very few companies to be able can get access to. So there's one that that's aspect is just recognizing asynchronous management and how to Mm -hmm. implement that inside of your daily work. And then I think also too, what's coming down the pipe is really recognizing that remote work is not going away. Uh, It is not a nice to have anymore. It is table stakes for the vast majority of workers. Inside of that statistic that I told you about, 33% of people working remotely, 75% of people making more than $100,000 a year are currently working remotely. Mm -hmm. So The rich people are working remotely. And those are the people that you actually want inside of your organization. Those are the movers and shakers that are really going to take your company to the next level. So recognizing that you need to be able to keep those people happy that can go get a job tomorrow if they really want to is going to be absolutely critical. Last point that I would touch on with regards to where remote work is going is I see probably within the next 10 years, half of the S&P 500 being remote. I think that when you look at companies now, there's just one example um, that I'll touch on. There's a company called Coinbase, which is a cryptocurrency wallet. And it debuted at a $141 billion IPO at number 89 on the S&P 500. And that company, the first time in the history of the SEC, they were allowed to state that their headquarters is nowhere. And The reason why they said that is because they said anything else would be a lie. So we're going to see many, many more of these companies that are actually able to scale their organizations quickly and easily using asynchronous remote work. And I'm quite excited about seeing that, but recognize that if you currently don't have that type of skill set, you need to learn it as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a really great, really great message for our viewers and listeners too, which is you know the, normally you're hearing me talking about what brings you joy what brings you emotional wellness so there's a lot of change going on and what side of that change do you be want do you want to be on is this where is this the time to make a transition a big one is this the time to stay in the job you've been in for a while and what kind of questions because things are still formative that's what i would say that's what i see mm-hmm. what kind of questions do you want to ask your management or what kind of questions do you want to ask your employees and what kind of experiments can you do within your organization to try various things? I mean, we kind of did the COVID experiment, but as Liam just said, that wasn't really an accurate version of remote work. That was being trapped. That at was remote working. at
1: gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was that was remote at gunpoint, to be completely to honest with you. Him. That was, uh, well, either you work remotely or you die from COVID, right? That's the, <laughs> when, when you have those two types of extremes, Yeah. people just immediately have to switch over, but that wasn't a voluntary choice. Right. Now no it's going to be voluntary. And that's when I think is really, I mean, yeah. you could even come up with the term premeditated remote people choosing to be remote, right? Exactly. Uh, And,
0: and that's that opportunity again, to kind of take, you know, keep your, keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry, read what other companies are doing, Um, talking to your management, talking to your employees, deciding if you want to change, is this the time to change is my, um, my brother. Hi, hi, bro. (laughs) My brother said, if our company decides to go hundred percent remote, I'm going to look for another job. Because for him, his happiness and productivity in the office is related to being in the office. And so he's like, I hope they don't, but that's not, that's different for everyone. So how is it find what works for you. This is a really unique opportunity. I mean, I bought a second place out in the middle of nowhere during COVID because I was like, this is a really unique opportunity. No one can get mad at me for not being at this location or that location. I'm going to make a run for it. And once they realize two years later that things have gone very well professionally, they're not going to be like, you must come back this minute. Of course, you know, I'm also my own employer, but it does make a bit of a difference. So, so Liam, I do want to talk a bit about something that you're doing right now. Now, uh, running remote, which uh, tell us more about running remote and how that can help us and the companies we're involved with.
1: Sure. So I run a yearly conference called Running Remote, which is a conference specifically geared towards building and scaling remote teams. We've been running it for five years. And it's a fantastic community of people that are not just really interested in like, Finding a job. So, if you're an employee that wants to find a remote job, this isn't the place for you. Or if you're a digital nomad, that really isn't the place for you. This is about building companies like Coinbase, right? Mm -hmm. These massively successful technology companies and other companies that are not necessarily connected to technology. And figuring out all the tactics and strategies to be able to get there. We run it May 17th and 18th in Montreal, Mm -hmm. Canada. So if anyone's interested, just go to runningremote.com to be -hmm. able to check that out. And if you can't afford um, a flight to Montreal or -hmm. some tickets uh, to the Running Remote Conference, go to youtube.com slash runningremote. And that's our YouTube channel where we post Mm -hmm. all of our talks up for free. So everyone can get free access to the information if you can't afford to come.
0: Fantastic. And what's the big advantage of coming in person? I know a lot of people are actually like excited about going anywhere in person right now just to go somewhere. So um, what are the advantages? I mean, obviously networking and other things, but uh, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people say I'm a little hypocritical for running a (laughs) in-person remote work conference. But here's the reality. Inside of remote teams, every Mm -hmm. single year, we usually do a team retreat. So everyone comes company retreat. Everyone comes into one particular place every single year. And we have a little conference about the company. And I really see running remote as that place for the founders and operators of remote first companies. So it's not just a place to be able to get information and network with people, but really to be able to ask deep questions and figure out, well, here are the new problems that have really popped up in the last two and a half years due to COVID. How can we actually address them effectively so that we can make sure that remote work isn't just kind of like a a footnote in the history of work?
0: Right. Absolutely. And for those of you who really love remote work, uh, this is your chance to get involved, find out more, uh, network, see what kind of changes you can make in your own company, which can be really exciting. And And this rare opportunity in a world that's been sort of so rigid in the professional field for so long to pick your path and to find what really resonates and works for you, which is awesome. And why it just has been so great to have you on the show, Liam, Um, just helping us to walk through this and see what the trends in the future may hold as well. So... um, Tell my viewers and listeners um, where they can find out more about you. And I think you already gave the running remote URL, but um, what el- what other um, information can, where can they find you?
1: So running remote.com is probably the best place. And again, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash running remote. And I do a whole bunch of talks on there. We do a whole bunch. Of- we produce all of our, we distribute all of our talks for free. So if anyone ha- get, wants access to that information, mm-hmm. um, it's up there completely free. Uh, you don't have to buy a ticket to be able to consume the information. We
0: can't beat that. You can't beat that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to see what the trends are going to do. And I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future. So Liam Martin, everybody, thank you so much for being here, Liam. And I will be talking to you sometime in the near future about what's happening with Running Remote. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Thanks again for joining me here on Scotland Talks. We appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned for more amazing content starting next week. And you can check out all of our past episodes on Scotland Talks at anscotland.com. And you can also check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you prefer just listening, we are on a host of amazing audio only platforms, Apple, Spotify, you name it. So you can check out the website and find out where those are playing as well. Thank you again. And we'll see you again next week. Have a joyful day.